Hey, Christ the King, Pastor Grant here, and I'm so excited for what you are about to experience. Hey, let me give you the backstory. A couple of years ago, my daughter-in-law, Olivia, and my wife, Laurel, attended a Collide event right here in Whatcom County. When they came home, they shared with me, with rave reviews, a session they had gone through that was facilitated by a speaker. Her name was Emily Jameson. They recommended that I listen to the podcast, and I did. What Emily did was help me understand that the voice that I was listening to was actually the voice of God. Because isn't that the question we're always asking? Did I make that up? Was that God's voice or was that just me? Emily helped me build a growing confidence in my own heart that the voice I was hearing, the voice I could trust, was the voice of Jesus. And when I heard that podcast, my response was, oh, every Christian needs to hear this. Like Christ the King Church needs to hear this. Everyone I know that follows Jesus needs to hear this. And so this weekend, we are so honored to welcome to our stage Emily Jameson. She has become both a friend and a confidant in this amazing journey that we're all walking together trying to figure out and trust the fact that the voice we are hearing is the voice of Jesus. So Christ the King, I know it's kind of awkward because you're in your living rooms or a coffee shop or in your car, but right now, would you put your hands together and welcome to the stage our friend and our teacher for this weekend, Emily Jameson. Thank you guys so much. Hello, friends. As he said, my name is Emily. Um, I hail from Gig Harbor currently. We just moved there in October, and then the world shut down, and life is wild. Married to a man named Marshall Jameson. He's 6'4", tall, drink of water. He's a one-pace wonder. Good man. We have four children. Um, they are 12, 10, 7, and 4. Um, I have an academic coaching business, so I do a lot of life coaching. I do a lot of speaking. Um, and that might be my resume, but I don't know how much that really tells you about me. Um, I am a woman who I don't remember a time that I didn't believe in God, but I will tell you that there's a grand difference between believing in him and knowing him. I'm a woman who for the first 20 years of her life, despite believing in God and having confidence and being gifted in many ways, I was fearfully terrified of failure and deceived and bent the truth to make myself look a little bit better. And when I was in college, got suspended for plagiarism because I just didn't feel like I was good enough. Mind you, I was studying at an Ivy League college and starting on a Division I soccer team ranked eighth in the nation, so go figure. The reality is, is that there was a voice of the enemy that had gotten in early on and had caused me to believe things about myself or doubt things about myself and about God that caused my behavior to be a certain way. And a mentor of mine once said, she said, you know, a wrong belief in God leads to a wrong belief about ourselves, which leads to wrong behavior. And so it's been this journey, this, this treacherous 12-inch journey from head to heart to begin to believe what God says is true and actually live that out with my life, to believe that God is good, that he is for me, that his, he is with me, that he speaks to me and that I can hear him, that I am his daughter, that I am not a, a trajectory, or sorry, I am not a shape shifter, but I'm in fact a trajectory shifter. That's the identity that God has given me, that, that the vision that he gave me is that whenever I glance off someone, whether it be for a minute or for years, that, that we would move closer toward the heart of God, toward the one who loves us the most. I was a deceiver, but now I am a truth teller. That's not to say that I don't still wrestle with things. I am on a journey in process, continuing, continually learning the voice of the Lord, continually learning to believe who God says that I am. 
I'm so excited to be talking to you this weekend. Honestly, for the, the weeks and months um, since, I have, uh, since I was invited to come speak to you today, I've had the most glorious conversations with Jesus about you. And particularly each service, it's been amazing actually, each service that I've preached, it's been almost an entirely different message. And I have this sense that God is doing something new. And as I was going on a run yesterday morning, I was asking him about the people that would show up at each service and particularly this 11 a.m., 11, 15 a.m. service, who was going to be here? And as I've been listening to the Lord and hearing his heart for you, I have grown even in my understanding of the knowledge of God. Because when we ask him about his heart for others, we begin to experience a fuller picture of who God is and how he acts and how he loves. And, And this is what I heard for you. This particular crew that is in this place, that is behind this screen, you are adventurers, You are those who are sort of leaning in, who who are just sort of chomping at the bit, wanting more. There are are things that are perhaps um, sort of like wrapping around your ankles, things that are sort of holding you back that you're frustrated about, but the reality is, is that you want the great adventure. And I believe that God wants to speak to you in a powerful way this morning and even shift your trajectory that it might be closer to the heart of God, that you would suspend disbelief and begin to believe the things that God says are true. And so I'm going to pray for us, and we are going to jump right in. Lord God, I thank you for this time. I thank you that you are doing a new thing even in this moment. God, I thank you for those that are in this room, those that are scattered around this place, God, those that are on back decks and in living rooms and trying to wrangle children and whatever you're doing, God, we just ask that you would transcend space and time as you do so well. God, that you would make this conversation feel alive and present. You are in the midst. Lord, I ask that you would translate between my voice and the hearts of those who are hearing that they would hear not just what I say, but what you want them to hear. God, that you would speak in the space between. And God, I just surrender right now. I just ask that I would hear your voice. Lord, that there'd be an open heaven above me that I would lean in and that if you want to change any direction, if you want to offer any new thing, God, I am listening. I ask to be interrupted. God, would you convey your heart to your beloved ones? Amen. Okay, so we're going to dive right into the word. I am a word nerd. I was an English major. And um, I remember a counselor once saying, the first thing we need freedom from is bad definitions. And so if we have a wrong definition, wrong functioning definition of something, then we can, have, we can come to very um, incorrect conclusions. And so one thing that I'm going to ask you, so this is a little call and response. You might be in the room. You might be behind the screen. But I would love for you to shout at the screen. Let's just pretend like we are in the same room together. If you're in your bedroom, that's weird, but that's fine. Um, so here we go. So the first thing that I want to ask you is this. When people talk about the word, right? Like, I'm going to dive into the word, or let's be people of the word. What do you think of? The Bible, right? We think of scripture. We think of the word being scripture. And what's interesting about scripture is that when scripture talks about itself, it doesn't necessarily use the word word. It uses the word graphy, which is translated as scripture. Scripture says, all scripture is. And so a couple different places that we see that are in 2 Timothy 3.16, where it says this, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. This scripture is God-breathed. 66 books, an entire library, there, are, there is poetry, there is, um, oh, let's talk about Song of Psalms. Little boys couldn't read that until they were 13 in Jewish culture because, hey, hey. And, um, and then you've got letters, you have architecture plans, you have history. I mean, there is so much in this book, but the reality is, is that at some point in time, a human being, someone much like you and I, 
tuned their spirit in to hear from the spirit of God and allowed that spirit to convey to their minds in words they could understand the heart of God and they wrote down what they understood and that's what you and I are reading and the goal of these scriptures are to be a window through which we see Jesus. The entirety of scripture points to the person of Jesus, helps us understand the character of God, and particularly those four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that begin to unpack the person of Christ, God in a bod, which points us to this next piece because it also says this in John 5, 39, John, Jesus' dear friend, records this where Jesus is talking to to some young people, um, or some old people. I actually don't know how old they are, but he, he looks at them and he says this, you study the scriptures diligently, thinking that in them you will have eternal life. And yet, these are the very scriptures that testify about me, and you do not come to me to have life. Life is not in this book or in these pages, but this written word that's inspired, like I said, is a window through which to see Jesus, to come into understanding of his character, the content of his voice, so that you might know the one by which you were formed. And that brings us to the word logos, logos. In John 1, 1, at the beginning of the book of John, it says this, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. It's this great spoken word, you know? And he's referring to Jesus. It goes on to talk about how Jesus basically put on flesh and came into the world, God in a bod. And I love, it's amazing because it says in the beginning, this is before the beginning of time. Somehow God exists outside of time. He literally created time and space. And so before, above, behind, he lives beyond it. And Jesus, this logos, this, the logo of God, the image, it says in scripture that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. If you want to know what God is like, how he sounds, how he speaks to people, the marginalized, the oppressed, the rich, the leadership, the children, how does God move in the world? How does he speak? We need to look no further than Jesus. And it says Jesus lived before the beginning of time. And, and this is a wild idea because the reality is God is the essence of love. And love exists between things. It's this self-giving, glorious offering of relationship. And you see Father, Son, and Spirit, this three-in-one God, this idea that our finite minds cannot comprehend. And I love that God created the world. He gave us creation with hints as to the mystery of him. These clues where we can begin to understand his character. And I think about water, right? H2O, the thing that exists in the most abundance in the world. Most of our bodies are made up of it. And H2O exists in three forms. And I was thinking about this with the Lord and I was like, help me understand this picture. And I was thinking about the father who's like water who's powerful, who carves new pathways, who's, who's glorious and good and whose voice sounds like the thunderous Niagara Falls. And I think about the sun who has form, who's solid like ice, right? Who reflects all the light. And you think about the spirit like gas, right? Like steam coming off a lake early in the morning and it, and it can move in the, in, the, in the most narrow nooks and crannies and it whispers life and truth and love. It can raise people from the dead and it's also the gift of God that can take up residence in us, that we have these hearts. I remember um, an author, he talks about how we have this portable sanctuary of the soul that God has taken up residence in us and we get to move through the world, this scandalous idea that you and I contain God. We live in him and he in us. 
So we have the Logos. And the idea here, though, that is so incredibly glorious that I only came across years ago, and it really just, gosh, man, moved things in me to understand something more about the voice of God, is this, that the third word that we're going to talk about is Rema. So we have the graphy, the written word that reveals the person of God, the Logos. But then the voice of God comes, and this is Rema, R-H-E-M-A, the Greek word. And it literally means the uttered, the spoken word. And you might be surprised here. Let me tell you the scriptures where this is, this is spoken. It says, man does not live by bread alone. This is Jesus speaking to the enemy. Man does not live by bread alone, but by the very prema, spoken word of God, the uttered word of God. This is where life comes. Romans 10, 17, and faith comes by hearing and hearing through the prema, word of Christ, the spoken word of God. Ephesians 6, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the rhema, word of God. I was struck by that because I was like, well, I thought it was the Bible. And the, the, the reality is, is that this was the rhema, word of God, to the first hearers, the ones that wrote it down. And so as I read it, as I read scripture, as I read about Jesus, I'm, I'm reading it with the Spirit of God. I'm saying, help me understand. What do you mean by this? What was happening when you were there? When, when that woman stopped you, what was that like? I'm having a conversation with the very God that actually inspired these words and wrote this book, essentially. And, and as I read, I become familiar with the cadence, the tone, the content of his voice so that I can hear him in my day to day. Because there is no greater thrill than knowing the voice of God in our very life, in our day to day. And, and the voice of God will never contradict the scriptures. It will always sound like Jesus. It will always produce the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, tenderness, faithfulness, and self-control. And it will lead us to freedom. Like I said, it's been the journey of a lifetime for me to discover, to discern God's voice, that voice that's in me, but that's not from me. And I will say, I began to hear it early on in my life, but I actually didn't really know it was God. And I don't know if you have asked those questions before where something sort of comes up in you. Maybe you ask a question of God, or maybe you're just sort of interrupted. You know, it's almost like, like the God of the universe taps you on the shoulder and you're like, is that you? Is that God? Is that me? Is that the chili? I'm not really sure. And we have these questions of, you know, what are these voices? How is God's voice supposed to sound? I have never heard God's voice audibly. I know people have. How I began to hear God's voice was primarily through the scriptures. And the reality is, is that when I got to college, like I said, I grew up in a home that um, we went to church. I, I don't remember a time that I didn't believe in God. I was compelled toward him but my real relation, my relationship with God, my knowing, not just knowing about God, but actually knowing him began when I was in college. And I, I remember hearing people talk about how, how the scriptures are like the, like the living water. And I would open them up and be like, yeah, no, dry sand. <laughs> like that's, I don't know. I don't know what to do with this. I don't know what to read. And it took reading the scriptures in community with people that already had relationship with them. And, and my friend talks about how you sometimes don't get hungry until you smell someone else's meal. And I remember getting together with other people and, and these young women, these collegiate, amazing, brilliant women who, who loved the Lord with their mind and their heart and, and they're unpacking the scriptures. I'm in this Bible study on the book of John and it's just beginning to come alive because we were never meant to work this out in isolation. We were meant to do it with the spirit of God and with the people of God. And so I began to get in this Bible study and I started learning and then I began to think about prayer and I thought, gosh, people talk about talking to God, but I feel like when I pray, I'm talking to a wall. Like I don't, I don't hear anything. Does he hear me? I mean, people say he hears me, but is there supposed to be two-way? I mean, this is a monologue. 
How do I pray? And I just began this journey of of pursuing God and wanting to know how do I hear from this God? It says in scripture that my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I had read that and yet I still doubted. And so even though I was, I was getting sort of impressions from the word, I would know when a worship song came on and something about it resonated in me. I think about, the, the, again, the clues in this world that God has given us. And I grew up, I played the violin for years. I was in orchestra. And I remember when my stand partner would play her A string. And if mine were perfectly in tune, mine would reverberate without even me touching it. And so I started thinking about that and thinking, gosh, when the spirit of truth is, is out in the world, then something in me begins to reverberate. And so I might hear him through song through music, through people around me speaking things that just felt so deeply true. Through the scriptures, things would kind of come alive, not always, um, but often, through creation. Have you ever been in a space where you were so mesmerized by the mountains or the water and you were just like, ah. I mean, it says in scripture that even if if you don't preach my name, the mountains and the trees, they're going to shout it out, and they do. So I was on this journey and I, I had been hearing God but still questioning a lot because the reality is, is the enemy, there is, um, we're going to talk about that in just a moment, but the, the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And the enemy cannot get God to stop talking. And he actually can't get us to stop hearing, but he can get us to doubt the voice. And I don't know about you, but that was a lot of my journey was just doubting. I had more, um, you know, it was like the young man that's like, I believe, help me in my unbelief. I was a believer doubter. And, and Jesus actually, in the resurrection, it talks about the disciples are coming, and in the Greek, it's the believer doubters. I'm like, oh, I'm in good company, right? Even after the resurrection, all the disciples are running, and it says the believer doubters were coming. And I'm like, oh, yes, that's me. I believe, and yet there's doubt. God, will you work this out in me? Give me more faith. And I remember I was pregnant with Bennett, and I'm at a camp up in Canada, and, um, and I was really just wrestling with this. Can I, God, can I hear you? I don't know if I hear your voice. I don't know if it's you. I, I, I just, I'm just not sure. I had, I had so much um, confusion. It felt noisy inside. And I sat down across from Bill Page, the camp speaker that week, and he's become a dear friend, mentor, just an amazing man um, who has an incredible story and a deep love for conveying the gospel. And, and I sat across from Bill, and Bill can seem rather gruff at first, but he actually has the most like, tender heart. And I looked at him and I said, Bill, I'm just, I don't know, I just, I'm really doubting whether or not I can hear from God. Like, I, I just don't, I don't know if I can hear his voice. And he kind of leans back in his chair and crosses his arms and he looks at me and he goes, are you his sheep? And I was like, I'm, uh, yes. You know, it's like, is this a trick question? You know, it says in scripture that Jesus is the shepherd. We are his sheep. Are you his sheep? Are you following? Are you following Jesus? And I was like, yes, yes, I am his sheep. And then he goes, then you hear his voice. And he got up and he walked away. (laughs) That was it. If you are his sheep, then you hear his voice. So if you can believe, if you can come into agreement with that reality, if you are his sheep, then you hear his voice. Then the following, is question, the following question comes, okay, which one is his? How do I know it's his? And scripture is very clear to give us sort of delineations. And a dear mentor, my, my um, mentor and friend Donna, who came into my life a few years ago, she began to very much sort of clarify for me how I can discern between the voices that I hear. And people will say that there are three voices. There's the voice of the enemy. There's my voice um, or your voice, you know, the, the sort of your inner voice that you have, the one that says, oh, I should probably brush my teeth or, you know, you're operating out of sort of normal life. Gosh, I need to call that friend. Just the inner voice that you have that sort of helps lead, guide, direct. And then there's the voice of God, the voice of truth. 
The enemy's voice, God, the enemy's native tongue is very clearly lies. He is a liar. The word Satan literally means splinterer. He wants to splinter us, to tear us away from God and from others and from ourselves. And the great work of God is reconciliation. Reconcile, reconcilia. Re is again, con is with, and cilia means thread. He desires to thread us back together with how we were originally created to be in relationship with God, one with ourselves, and in unity with the world. Unity is not uniformity. Unity is this great, beautiful, self-giving, glorious love relationship where we think about the good of the other and we have the eyes of God and we walk throughout our day saying, God, what do you want? me to know about him or her. And we get the eyes of God and the heart of God for those around us so that we might love them and call them into their glorious, unique identity. It leaves no room for comparison. It leaves no room for competition. When you know the belovedness of God, you can't help but want others to know the same. And so, so we look at this. So again, the, the enemy's voice, fear, guilt, and shame. This is most often how the enemy speaks. And, and, and the Lord, he comes with truth, with life, his voice always aligns with scripture and it always sounds like the character of Jesus. It demands that we get in the word and really search out, Jesus, show me about yourself. How do you speak? He never does the same thing twice. He is compassionate. He is kind. He is patient. He's never in a hurry. People have said that God walks at three miles per hour, right? Jesus just walked through the world. He was, he was altogether patient, sometimes painfully so, he never does the same thing twice. When people come to him and say, hey, is it A or B? He's like, ha-ha, it's H. You know, he always has another way that doesn't make sense. He's not binary. He's unpredictable. He is kind and compassionate. He challenges. He's confusing. He's perplexing. He overthrows systems of power by the way of love. So it demands that we know the character of Jesus. If we understand the character of Jesus, then we're going to be able to understand his voice. I remember another, I love that Jesus talks in parables. Parabola, it's, it's sort of um, something that comes alongside, right? It's two lines that come alongside. And so a parable is something in the natural that illustrates something in the spiritual, okay? And so God has given me parables from my own life. And I remember when Marshall and I first got married, we lived in an apartment building and his brother lived around the corner. And he and his brother, actually the more time they spend together, the more they sound the same. Do any of you guys have siblings or friends that, you know, they literally had the same voice, like the same cadence. And there would be times where they would be outside in the hallway, I'd be in the apartment, and I almost couldn't tell which one was talking because their voices sounded so similar. But I only had to listen for a moment for the content of what they were saying and I knew who my best friend was because I had become familiar with his voice. Now, we met on a blind date. There was a point in time in which his voice might have been in a room and I would have never recognized it. It would have been there, but it wouldn't have lifted from the crowd. And our goal is that we become so familiar with the content of Jesus' character that we're able to allow it to lift from the rest of the voices to know, oh, that's, that's my Jesus. Because it says in scripture that the enemy masks himself. He masquerades as a child of the light. And so that voice can come in and it can sound, again, it's your thought voice. But I, I just sense that the character of God, his voice is heavier somehow. The voice of the enemy comes with condemnation. The voice of God comes with conviction. The difference is this, condemnation, say you experience something where you have done something wrong and you experience guilt. That could be a tool used of God, but the reality is, is that the enemy fights um, with facts that are not truth. So fact, you messed up. <laughs> 
And the enemy takes that and is like, yeah, you messed up. You're never going to change. Remember all the other times you've done it too? And it comes with this hopelessness, this defeat. He says, you will never change. Condemnation. And it leads to shame, the sense that not only did I do something wrong, but I am wrong. And you take on a false identity of someone that is in sin, that is wrong, that is in addiction. I am anxious rather than I wrestle with anxiety. I, I am a depressed person rather than I am, I am. Do we understand what we're saying? Like Jesus doesn't look at you and say, hello, my depressed son. That's not a true identity. It might be something that you're wrestling with guaranteed. Yes, it is a mental. I mean, I, I want to give plenty of room for this, um, but I want us to understand that's not a true identity. An original identity given from God is you are my son, you are my daughter, and I am your peace. And I want to partner with you and I want, I want to, to bring you to a place of conviction and conviction says there is hope, there is more. A righteous man falls 70 times, but he gets up again. God gives us resilience and hope. He is our hope. So again, Jesus, the voice of truth, he always aligns with scripture, the character of Jesus, brings the fruit of the spirit and leads to freedom. The enemy, fear, guilt, and shame. And the reality is our voice is somewhere in between and, and we can partner with either. See, see, if we begin to mull over in our minds the accusations of the enemy, the enemy is an accuser. And so if you hear, and it's not hard to hear the enemy's voice, I feel like it's like the music in the grocery store that you don't even notice it's on and then you find yourself humming a song and you're like, why did Ace of Bass get in my head, you know? And, and you just realize it's like radio waves that are sort of always going, he's the prince of the air. And so the lies of the enemy just are infiltrated all throughout the world. It's not hard to hear them. But if we begin to partner with them, if you are not enough, you are not beautiful, you are not desirable, is mold over so much in my mind that I begin to partner with it and I begin to say, I am not beautiful. I am not enough. And I take on the lies of the enemy. This is where God is inviting us to confession. To confess is to say the same as God. To say the same that he already knows. It says in scripture, if we confess with our mouths, he is faithful and just to forgive and and renew us, basically cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So this is a not right way of thinking. If I say, I am not desirable, I look at the Lord and I confess. Homo logeo is confession. Homo logos, right? So the same as God. So I'm like, God, I don't, I don't believe that I'm desirable. I don't feel like I am desirable. And he says, thank you for telling me your truth. Good job. Now let me tell you what I know. And I begin to step in and God gives me his truth. And there's a forgiveness, there's an ex- a great exchange. The glory of the cross is death for life. And God is going to transform me by a renewal of my mind that only comes by way of the word of God. And what is so glorious about this and the way that he made us, hello neuroplasticity in, in that scripture, the fact that God will speak words to us. And do you know that the more that you mull over the words of God when he says, you are my beloved, you are my daughter, you are my son, you are glorious, I live in you, I want you. And you begin to think about those things. The more you ruminate, the more you meditate on God's word, that those words become synapses in your mind, building blocks of flesh. Word become flesh. Is that not amazing? And so we have to be so mindful, whose voice am I partnering with? Whose voice am I listening to? And I remember the same mentor, Donna, um, a mentor of mine, Donna sort of gave me this invitation. It changed everything because she said, you know, Em, every negative emotion 
you know, fear, guilt, shame, discomfort, comparison, competition, all of those are actually God's invitation to heal you. He's allowing you to get kind of shoved a little bit so that that will come up and out of you because he wants you to confess. He wants you to bring it up into the light so you can offer it to him and he can make the exchange. So rather than, rather than suppress it and say, oh, I'm a Christian, I shouldn't fear. It says, do not fear like 365 times. And God's like, I say, do not fear. That's not a, that's not a command, that's an invitation. There's plenty to fear in the world. But he's like, hey, come here. I'm gonna invite you, you don't have to fear. I am your peace. I am in the midst of every situation when you are with me. There is nothing to fear. And so I can bring to the Lord whatever emotion is coming up when I'm feeling um, frustrated with my spouse. That never happens, right? Heated fellowship is what we call it. Um, So when there are some conflicts that are happening, typically one of us is believing a lie. We're not believing that the other actually has good intentions, that we maybe even like each other. We're missing it. And so often what we've learned is that real reconciliation comes when we pause and we ask the Lord, what story am I believing? What's the lie that I'm believing right now about myself or about my best friend? And God, what do you want me to know? How do you see him? This is a question I ask on the daily. That might tell you about our marriage. I'm just kidding. We have a great relationship. But it is heated at times. We have four kids and the world is shut down, you guys. It is wild. Ah, like this has been the season of sifting and refinement. And on a daily basis, I'm waking up in the morning and saying, God, remind me who I am. I need to hear from you. I need your voice. I'm asking what story to share. Every sermon, like I said, every service has been different. And there's, there are two stories that I believe are for you that I haven't told yet. One is a little vulnerable. Um, and then we're going to pray together and we're going to listen to the Lord. Um, okay. So I was speaking at a conference a couple years ago. And I was talking about this very thing of hearing from God and confession, repentance. Confession is us telling God his truth. Repentance is his, him telling us his truth so that we actually have a change of mind and we can walk in a new way. And at the end, there was a time of worship and prayer and several people um, came up to me and one young woman came up and she could not stop crying. Just a puddle of tears and almost like fear on her face. Like, I don't want to speak like I know, like I knew that whatever had compelled her to get to me was the Lord because she did not want to be there in that moment. And I just put my hand on her shoulder. This was before COVID. And I looked at her and I said, I said, tell, you can tell me what you need to tell me. She took a deep breath and she began to confess an addiction that she had told no one about and that she had been wrestling with for years. And as she finished sort of telling me the story, I put both hands on her shoulders and I was like, I am so proud of you. And she looked so confused. (laughs) Because when do you confess the deepest, darkest, scariest thing that you think is going to drive everyone away, particularly the woman that just shared about Jesus on a stage, and they tell you they're proud of you because I knew this was the beginning of freedom that she had the courage, that God had, had aroused this in her enough to come up and out, and she was able to bring it into the light. And I said, I would love to pray with you. And we sat down, and I asked the Lord to just bring her back to when it began. 
So in her mind, it's her imagination. And I, I love this, that God has given us our imaginations as an opportunity for him to communicate with us. I mean, if the enemy can take our imagination and we can run off into the future in anxiety, why couldn't we submit that same imagination to the Lord and let him reframe the story by way of his grace and his goodness? And so, so I have learned to submit my imagination to the Lord and say, God, what do you want to tell me? What do you want me to know? I, 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 in, the, in the authority that God has given us, we can silence the enemy. I don't want to hear from him. And God has said that he has taken up residence in me. I only want to hear from the truth teller. And so, so we sat down and I said, Jesus, would you just remind her of when this began? And, and we went back to sort of that memory. And I said, God, you, you said that you've never left her. You've never forsaken her. Will you show her where you were when this began? And what do you want her to know? And she was just overcome with tears, recognizing that whatever that thing was, it chose her. She didn't choose it. And also that she wasn't a victim and God invited her to shut it down. And he began to say, I want to tell you who you are. And so fast forward, the Lord took us to a safe place. I said, Lord, where do you want to meet with her that's a safe place? And so she went to, I don't remember where she was, maybe a cabin someplace. And so in her imagination, she's sitting in this place with the Lord. And I said, God, what do you want her to know about herself? What do you, what do you see in her? And I said, I want you to say out loud what you hear. Because here's the reality. I know many people who have been in churches and in spaces where there was this gnarly lie that said that some people can hear and some can't. And like I have this like mother heart of God that's like, there is no child that the father does not speak to. And there is no child that cannot hear. We all have the same size Holy Spirit and he wants us to hear. We might have different gifts, but we all have ears to hear. And so I want you to know that everyone can hear. He speaks to all of us. He speaks to our spirit, which is the receiver that conveys to our mind in ways that only we can understand. It might be pictures, images, songs, words. It might be a sensation in your body. He created every part of you to be able to commune with you. And so I asked her, I said, I said ask the Lord, what do you call me? Who do you see me as? And she said it out loud. I said, just, just say aloud what you hear, first and fast. Whatever comes first is the spirit. The second thing is usually an enemy trying to get you to doubt that thing. So she said, daughter, beloved, free. But I saw her kind of like shaking her head and I said, can you receive that? Can you receive those words from the Lord? And she was like, no. And I said, what's keeping you from receiving those things? She's like, anger and shame. And I said, okay, where do those live in your body? Like if you could imagine those emotions, like where can you feel them in your body? Where do they live? And she's like, the anger is like rocks and my hands are heavy and violent. And, and the shame, it's like a tied up rope, like all knotted up in my head. And I said, okay. And I said, I want you to imagine Jesus is before you. He said, he's never left you or forsaken. He was right with you. Spirit, would you just make Jesus real? He's right before you. Perhaps he's standing in front of the cross, reminding you of what you've already done, what, what he's already done. Can you hand him the rocks? And she like nods. And I go, what does he do with them? She goes, oh my gosh, they turned into cotton balls. Like they lost all their weight. They're like light. They just floated away. Like the anger's gone. I said, okay. And I was like, let's go after that shame. And I said, okay, you have this rope knotted up in your head. Can you, can you somehow give it to Jesus? He wants to take everything that's keeping you from the fullness of life. He wants to take it upon himself so that he can give you life. And she's like, I can't do it. And I said, okay, it's okay that you can't. Let's see what he wants to do. And I said, what do you see him do? Jesus, what do you want to do with her shame? And she catches her breath. And as she tells me what she saw, 
I began to weep because it so ministered to me. I began to see a part of God that I had never understood. And she said, oh my gosh. He reached in and he pulled out this rope and he detangled at all the knots. And then he wrapped it around me and he pulled me close. The thing that we think is keeping us from God is the very thing when brought into the light will bring the most intimacy with him. And so do not be deceived that shame or fear or guilt are actually separating you from God as you allow those things to come up and out and you confess, you tell God what he already knows. He will draw you in so close. He wants to whisper in your ear to have a relationship with you that is so beyond the intimacy of any person that you could experience on this earth. I love my husband, but he cannot touch the intimacy that I experience by the love of God. And so we're going to pray together. And the last thing I want to tell you is this, because I believe that God gave me sort of a, um, well, I just want to piss off the enemy. Can I say that here? I don't know. But I feel like he has this, this agenda and we're meant to, to know the schemes of the enemy so that we can expose them so that we can walk as children of the light. And, and I think that one of the things he does when we go to God and we're trying to get wisdom, insight, um, oftentimes we'll ask God a question and it feels quiet, right? Tell me what you want me to know. What do you want me to know about me? And it gets quiet inside. And again, the enemy fights with facts that are not truth. He'll just interpret things um, in a way that is actually not true. So, so fact, it feels quiet inside. The enemy gets a hold of that and says, God's not speaking, or you can't hear. He doesn't really love you. And he begins to interpret the quiet in all these different ways. And I remember I was praying with a young woman, and she was so frustrated. Emily, I'm praying, I'm listening, I cannot hear God. Every time it just gets silent inside. And I was like, let's ask God about the silence, because I had experienced that too. And I didn't understand. I knew there was something more to it, but I didn't know what. And, and this mentor of mine, she's like, keep asking questions. So often you think about Jesus tells a parable and then a lot of people walk away, but then the disciples are like, tell us more about that. How often do you experience something? Maybe you get a picture or a song and then you're like, thanks God. And then you go off and try and interpret it by yourself rather than go to God and say, tell me more about that. What do you mean by that? Help me understand, where is it in scripture? Maybe you talk about it with friends. Hey, this is what I'm sensing from God. I'm careful to say, God told me. Like, very rarely, unless it's a really clear, like, glorious word that's absolutely aligned with scripture, do I say, God told me this. Um, but uh, most often, it's a sense or a picture. And then I'm like, surrender that to Jesus. Bring it to the Holy Spirit. Bring it to people that know you well. If it resonates, awesome. If not, throw it away. And, and so we asked God about the quiet. And I was like, God, what do you want me to do about the quiet? And up in my spirit comes Zephaniah 3.17. And I'm familiar with that verse, but I didn't know it well. And so I looked it up and it says this, the Lord, your God is in your midst. He's in your midst. So first and foremost, God is with you. He is in your midst. Believe it. So suspend disbelief. God is in your midst. A mighty one who will save. That means to heal. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. And he will rejoice over you with singing. And I was blown away because I felt the Lord in my spirit say, never again, if anyone <laughs> talks to you, never again will my children believe that quiet is synonymous with my absence because my quiet is synonymous with my love. Do you not know it's the thing that you need the most? It is so noisy in there. He's like, M, you have ADHD. It is never quiet inside. It is a miracle when it gets peaceful in there. Do you recognize I am 
the person of peace. When I enter in, it gets quiet. And just like Samuel, who most often heard the Lord from a place of rest, when we are in rest, it says in, I think, Isaiah, in returning and rest um, is your salvation and joy is your strength. There's a sense of when we come to a place of rest is when we can receive the word of the Lord. And so I, I just love that God, when we're saying, hey, gosh, we want to hear from you and we hear quiet and then we let the enemy interpret it, we run away before we actually get what the Lord wants to tell us. And so stay in that place. Praise God for the miracle of quiet, of rest. Trust that his, if you ask him to speak, he will. And if he speaks by way of his quiet, it is synonymous with his love. I will say this too. God most often speaks to me just in the midst of the mundane. It's not often like, you will do this. You will go here. You will move here. I don't often know those things till like the 13th hour. Um, but God speaks daily to me and most often in response to this question. What do you want me to know? God, what do you want me to know? What do you want me to know about this person in front of me? What do you want me to know about this group this morning? What do you want me to know about me? Particularly when I'm feeling in a place of insecurity or fear, God, what do you want me to know? Remind me of who you are and who I am. And he always answers those things. If I say, God, what do you want me to do with my life? He might be like, uh, that's, I don't want to talk to you about that right now. Like, I actually, like, that will cause you to actually run off without me and my goal is dependence on me. And so we only get to experience him in the present moment. And, and I want us to recognize that we can begin a relationship with God where it's like little mini trust falls, you know? So every time a sense comes in that seems glorious, right? That seems, or a, just a name of a friend. As long as it's not like punch your neighbor or, or rob a bank, for a little while, just experiment and just trust that it's God and do the thing, walk in it, obey in it. And you will realize that God's voice begins to separate. That's discernment is to separate. It begins to separate from the rest. It will feel differently from the rest. You'll sense a weight to it. There's something about it that can't be sort of denied. And, and he who is faithful with little will be given much and you will be so gloriously delighted to learn his voice. So I'm going to pray with us um, together. We're going to do a couple thought experiments because I just have a sense that the Lord wants to speak to you in a powerful way this morning. And yeah, we're going to do this. Lord Jesus, I thank you for these friends. I thank you for, for these friends who are your friends, your daughters and your sons. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, I feel like the Lord is asking if there are many in this place or that are tuning in that, that do believe in God, that have believed they're, they're making their home in God, but they have yet to actually invite the Holy Spirit to take up residence in their heart. And so if that's you, just invite, Holy Spirit, I just want you to take up residence in my heart. Please come in. You're, you're standing at the door, you're knocking, and I just, I want you to come in. I want that spirit receiver to be able to be able to really hear from God. So just offer that invitation. God has invited you in and now you have an opportunity because God's great love offers free will that you get to invite him in. And so just invite him in and then let's talk to him. Okay, so, so those of you that have the spirit in you, yay. Um, and even if you don't, doesn't even matter because God rests on you and he will speak to you anyway. And perhaps after this, you're gonna be like, yep, I'm making my home in you. All right, so that being said, Lord Jesus, would you take us to a place that is safe? Just remind us of a place where we have been, where there is peace there. Where do you want to meet with us? And whatever first comes to mind, just go to that place. And wherever you are, just notice your surroundings. Are you outside, inside, sitting, standing? What's the weather like? Allow the Lord to paint in your imagination where he wants to meet with you.
Now just ask Jesus, where are you there? You say that you've never left me or forsaken me. You want to meet with me in every place. And so God, in this place, where are you? Look around, high and low. Where, where do you sense God? If he's far away, maybe draw nearer to him, close enough that you can speak. And just pose this question. God, it's just you and I here, no other voice. What is it that you want me to know? If a word or an image or something comes that feels confusing or perplexing, just ask him, what do you want me to know about that? (laughs) Tell me more. If it's quiet, thank him for it, for his love that is quieting you. Now, Lord, is there any oh, is there any place where I'm stuck, where I'm just believing a lie about myself or about you, maybe even about someone else? Is there any lie that I'm believing that needs to come up and out of me to be offered to you? Whatever comes first and fast, Jesus can be the lie revealer. We don't need to hear from the enemy. So whatever lie that is, whatever thing, maybe it's unbelief. Maybe that's that you are stuck. Maybe that, um, I have a sense for some, it's that um, this is going to take way more work or time than I have. And I want you to imagine that you're writing this lie. Just pull a piece of paper out of your pocket. You have a pocket now. Um, and write that down on a piece of paper. And then just hand it to Jesus. What does he do with it? For someone, it just like went up in flames, like that flammable paper that just disappears. Someone else, he threw it in a campfire that was near you. For someone, he swallowed it. It says in Scripture that Jesus swallows death and gives us life. Again, whatever he does with it will actually corroborate with Scripture, which is wild. For someone, he actually, like he pulled away a veil. Um, I doubt he looked at it. Now you've made space. This lie has been confessed. He is faithful and just to forgive, to make a great exchange. And so now just ask the Lord, God, what is it that you want to give me in return? What do you want me to know? What truth do you want to replace that with? If it's still quiet for you and you're feeling frustrated for any reason, I feel like there's someone that's just like, oh, it's still quiet, I'm frustrated. Thank him for the quiet and know that he's inviting you to more, that this is going to continue. But I just want to ask one final question. Would you just ask the Lord Jesus, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? What do you call me? I'm going to challenge you to tell somebody today. You can put it on the Facebook page, DM me if you want, find me on Instagram. I want to hear from you if you have no one to talk to.
but I trust that you heard glorious things. Beloved, daughter, son, adventurous one. There's one that's a torchbearer, a leader, a father of many. You're gonna hear glorious names because the reality is, is we all find our name in Christ. There's no name that we've been given that wouldn't come from the gloriousness and the goodness of Jesus because we're made in his image. And so know that it's beyond your imagination, beyond your understanding, but as you walk in your true identity, as you, you can do this daily, just ask the Lord, what do you want me to know? What lie am I believing? Bury yourself in the word of God. Talk to other people about it. This is what I'm sensing. What do you think? Let's find it here. This is meant to be worked out, and I guarantee you, it will be the thrill of a lifetime. It will lead you on glorious adventures. And the reality is it's not about what you do, where you go, what your job is. This is about the kingdom of God, and the kingdom is made up of relationships. And we want people to know the gloriousness and the goodness of God, the God who is unpredictable and so good and so loving and so kind. And he wants us as his sons and daughters to be able to reflect the light of life that we might know the one who created us and the world might be healed. So Lord Jesus, we thank you for your voice. We thank you for your presence. I thank you for every name, every person, every story, all the healing that is to come, all the ways that you are unfolding people's stories and that you're gonna give them a new narrative, a new name, so that we might walk in the fullness of the living God. Amen. Amen. Emily, I just want to say on behalf of everyone watching, thank you so much. You've been a blessing to me. I know you've been a blessing to so many people. So thank you for that empowering word. And I know that I want all of us this weekend to actually wrestle throughout the week with what is it that Jesus is saying to us? What is it that God is speaking over us and to wrestle with? Can we actually accept that word and know that it's Jesus? And so thank you, church, so much for joining us this weekend. And we're so thankful for you. We miss you and we are praying for you. If you need any prayer, what? whatsoever, you can go to prayer.ctk.church. If you want to be meaningful or if you want to be connected with in a meaningful way, please go to connect.ctk.church. And we hope you have an incredible week and we'll see you next weekend, CTK. Um, God bless. Thanks again for watching. We're so glad that you joined us today. Once again, we hope you'll get involved in biblical face-to-face community wherever you happen to be today. If you'd like more information about Christ the King Community Church, if you'd like to give online, or if you'd like to submit a prayer request, or even get connected in a small group, you can find out more about us at ctk.church.